Thanks for listening to the Calvary Tabernacle Young Adults Podcast. We pray that this lesson would be a blessing to you. here with you, with you amazing young adults of Calvary Tabernacle. And, uh, you know, uh, for those of you that don't know Rachel and I yet, we are so excited to get to meet every single one of you. That's what's so beautiful about a group this size is by the end of the weekend, we're all going to know each other. We're all going to know each other's names. And we are just so excited to get to spend this time with you this weekend. I am very nostalgic today. I'm emotional today because for those of you that might not know me, I actually grew up at Calvary Tabernacle. When I was nine years old, my family moved to Calvary Tabernacle. My dad worked at IBC and I had the privilege of living there until I was 16 years old. Now I'm an old man. I'm 32 years old. So y'all pray for me. It's been a while since I've been here, but I just am feeling so thankful for the goodness of God and uh, excited to be with you. Can we give it up to Brother Aaron and Sister Camera for helping lead this great retreat? And oh, I see so many friends here and I'll get in trouble if I start naming names, but it is so good to see our friend Sister Jen Mastis here and she's been a friend of the French family for so long. I see my friend Brother Tim Hall back here and just so many amazing people of God that are here. Sister Kilman's here. She taught me math at Calvary Christian School when I was a kid. And I don't know, I'm kind of having PTSD right now, like flashbacks of how terrible I was at math, but she loved me anyways. And uh, I'm just so glad to be here and very thankful uh, to be here with my wife, Rachel, and our daughter, Kyla, is here tonight. She's in the back. Our one-year-old girl got to come with us. And in a moment, I'll, I'll show a picture. I'll introduce you to the rest of the family. But uh, if you're excited to be here, can you say amen one more time? Amen. amen. We're going to go to the book of Matthew. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 23. And we are going to read uh, verse 25 through 28. Matthew chapter 23. You can bring those up for there. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. It says, It uses some strong verbiage here. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. It says, hypocrites. Everybody say hypocrites. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He says it again. He says, hypocrites. Everybody shout hypocrites. Hypocrites. He says, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. A heavy scripture tonight, but we're going to go somewhere. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift up your hands one more time? And would you help me pray all over this place? Let's lift our hands. Let's pray one more time. Come on, with, without, without anybody prompting us, can we just say, God, I pray that you prepare my heart tonight. Come on, I really feel the Holy Ghost in this room. There, 
There is such a hunger in this room. I'm telling you, you came with everything that you need for God to accomplish his will in this place here tonight. God, we love you. We worship you. We want to be like you, Jesus. And so we will give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said in Jesus name, would you clap your hands one more time to the Lord and give him praise. You may be seated in Jesus name. They're going to help me with a picture of my family. My name is Nathan French and I am a helpless family man. I am that guy. I am that annoying guy that talks about my wife and kids all the time. I mean, every conversation, I am just, I'm so thankful for my family. Anybody thankful for your family? Amen. And I'm just that guy. And uh, you'll see here, of course, Kyla is, is with us. She's here. You'll get to know her this weekend. We finally got our girl. We, we had one more chance and we got our girl. And we're so thankful for that. But over to the right, that is our son, Judah. Judah is six years old. And then to your left here, that is our son, Ezra. And Ezra just turned four years old. Our boys weren't able to come with us this time, so we're missing them today. But routines matter at my house, especially to my children. My, my wife and I are abundantly blessed with these three beautiful children. And each night, let me just as we're getting to know each other tonight, let me show you what things look like at nighttime at my house. Okay. Each night we divide and we conquer. Um, to get the kids to bed. Now, when, you, when you're having kids, it's very dangerous when you're outnumbered. Very dangerous. They now have the advantage. And so you have to be very quick. You have to have discernment when you're dealing with your kids. And we divide, we conquer. And so Rachel usually rocks our girl to sleep and I get the boys. And so Ezra always wants to lay next to me where each night he says the same words every single night. He says, Daddy, let's play a game. Isn't it funny how kids always want to play a game right at bedtime? Like, no, we've played enough games, son. But it's just, it's, it's one of those things. And the routine matters. Everybody say routine matters. And so he says, let's play a game to which I reply. Okay, son, I'd love to. What game would you like to play? Ezra smiles real big and he says, let's play the fruit and vegetable game. Now, this is a very intricate game, which consists of me calling out the name of a fruit and vegetable. And Ezra gets the privilege of guessing what color that fruit or vegetable is. Yes, it's riveting at my house. If you were a fruit fly on the wall, you would be listening to this game and it would sound something like this. Okay, daddy, what color is a banana? To which I will think for a moment and I'll say, yellow. He'll say, that's right. <laughs> okay, daddy, what color is an apple? I'll say, that's easy, red, he says, Wrong, green. Uh, Daddy, uh, what color is a grape? That's easy. It's purple. Wrong. It's green. <laughs> what color is a watermelon? Oh, that's, 
that's green. He goes, right, each night this is where the game gets interesting. And it always makes me laugh. Hey, Ezra, what color is an orange? Ezra always pauses. He looks confused for a moment. He smiles. And he says, Daddy, an orange is orange. <laughs> Am I the only one that this revelation blows your mind? Like I've never... It took a four-year-old to teach me this. And this usually opens the door to deep philosophical questions right at bedtime that my four-year-old needs answers to immediately. Kids have a way of asking questions that adults just don't have answers to. Daddy, if oranges are orange, then why aren't apples called reds and grapes called purples? And bananas called yellows. Exhausted, perplexed, and highly confused, I say, well, Ezra, oranges are different than other fruits. You see, they're orange on the outside, and they're orange on the inside. They're called oranges because they are oranges. That's just who they are. They're just orange. Their description and their identity are one and the same. I want to talk to you tonight for just a few minutes with a question. What color is an orange? Can I tell you the church world at large would be a lot better place if some Christians were like oranges? Can I share my heart with you tonight? We've all been hurt by people who pretended to be one thing on the outside. But on the inside, the heart didn't match the outward description. But I feel the Holy Ghost pulling on us here tonight. Does anybody feel the moving of the Holy Ghost in this place? I mean, I feel it. It is so strong in this house that I wonder what would happen if our faith as apostolics matched both in their description and their identity. What if they were just one and the same? Let me explain what I mean by that. A description is who you say you are. An identity is who you really are. Are we what we say we are? Can I help an apostolic today? You can, you can call yourself. I want you to hear me. I hope you know my heart today. I, I know you don't know me that well. We're going to get to know each other this weekend. But I want to tell you, I'm not interested in a faith that just says it's something, but it's really not. I want to tell you, I'm not interested in that kind of faith. I'm not interested in that kind of church. But is there anybody here tonight that when you talk about miracles, you actually believe in miracles? And when you talk about the... You talk about the Holy Ghost and you actually walk in the Holy Ghost because what color is an orange? You got to understand that it's just who you are. Somebody ought to clap your hands and just praise him right there. You know, your description is not what makes you anointed. Your devotion is what makes you anointed. 
And I wonder what would happen in this generation if they would implement and celebrate devotion as much as they do their description. Is anybody in here like proud to be an apostolic? You know what I'm talking about? Like you're just kind of proud of your faith. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. We should be proud of being apostolic. And, and, and I'm not I'm not interested, though. I'm not interested in just the title of being apostolic, but I don't look anything like the apostles. Because if we don't live the life, it's just a title. It's just a, it's just appealing. It's just a layer on the outside of who we are. But I really feel tonight, I was praying today and I felt like the Lord told me that you guys, you want this. I am not here to try to convince you of this. I know that you want this. But I want you to know that there is, I believe that we're living in the last days. And there is a great pool on apostolics right now. And the world wants what we have. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but revival's not coming. It's already here. I want to tell you that it's not a good time to be ashamed of, of the gospel. It's not a good time to be ashamed of being an apostolic. But now more than ever. We have to love this thing. I, I want to tell you, we've got to love this thing. They don't even have, oranges don't even have a title. All they have is an identity. Their title is their identity. Can we pause for a moment tonight? And can I talk to you in the Holy Ghost? And I believe that the Holy Ghost is here tonight. When it comes to my faith, I don't want to be one thing on the outside. And another on the inside. I don't want to dress one way on Sunday and another way on, on Monday. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I have no desire to just speak in tongues on Sunday and gossip on Tuesday. I, I'm not interested in living in church on Sunday and in chains on Monday. I want you to hear me. Just like an orange, you can be apostolic all the way to your core. I'm saying you don't have to go out this week and fall again, but you can make the right decision. I'm talking about a generation that it's just who you... It's just who we are. I wonder if somebody in this house, if you've got that desire, would you lift up your hands right now? And would you call on the name of Jesus? There are people in this retreat that you didn't even know if you were going to be able to make it. And the devil's fought you every step of the way. But I want you to know he's already lost because you're here right now. And he brought you here for a reason. I want to tell you tonight, I feel this so strong in my spirit. You don't have to be fake anymore. The devil wants you to think the only way, you know, the devil is a liar. He is a liar and he wants you to think the only way to really be apostolic is to be fake. And I rebuke that voice in the name of Jesus Christ. You can live this. You can be this. You can be holy at your job just like you are at church. 
you can say no to that and yes to the right things. And when somebody does the wrong thing, you can say no. I'm telling what color is an orange? What, what kind of apostolic do you want to be? Do you want to just be somebody that goes to church on Sunday, but then nobody even knows you're a Christian? I'm telling you, that's not the will of God. It's not the will of God to just go to church and then nobody around you ever hears the gospel and nobody around you even can tell that you're different. But I'm telling you, there's something that's stirring here in this retreat this weekend. I believe that before we leave this place, we're going to reach up and say, God, I want that identity and I want you to know that you can have it tonight. You can have it tonight. Hear me, you don't, you don't have to be inconsistent anymore. Jesus wants to set you free. Praise isn't just something that I do. You know, praise is who I am. Praise is a part of who we are. Apostolic isn't just a description. It is a lifestyle. It's not just something we do. It's who we are. The name of my church is Apostolic Tabernacle. It's located in Jonesboro, Georgia, about 30 minutes south of the city of Atlanta. And you would be surprised when you have the name Apostolic in your church title. How many people don't know how to pronounce the word Apostolic? Can I get a witness, somebody? You say, what, what, kind, of a, what kind of Christian are you? I say, I'm, I'm Baptist. Oh, I'm Presbyterian. Oh, I'm Catholic. I'm apostolic. The world doesn't even know what that means. It is not our title that's going to make us powerful. It is who we are that's going to make us powerful. And so they may not even know what apostolic is, but they know how apostolic feel. My goodness, I feel something here. They may not even know how to say it, but they know how to feel it. And that only comes from people that decide, I don't want this to just be some, some layer, just some outside layer that I wear. But then on the inside, I'm not who I say I am. First Corinthians chapter six and verse 20. The Bible says that you were bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Everybody say the body. That is external. That is the outside. We are supposed to glorify God. On the outside, we are supposed to be orange on the outside and the inside. Nobody wants to buy a disfigured orange that isn't the right color. It matters what we look like and what we act like on the outside. But the Bible also says to glorify God in your spirit. Everybody say that's internal. That's the inside. And so God is calling this generation to glorify him. Are you ready? With both. We glorify him with both. Anybody still love holiness in this house? I believe we love it. It matters. Everybody say it matters. The outside matters. The inside matters. It's who you are. When I was a teenager, I was so privileged to be raised in a, in a pastor's home. I'm a preacher's kid. 
And I mean that with all my heart. I believe it is a great privilege to be a preacher's kid, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, everybody would always come up to me and say, Hey, are you going to be a preacher like your dad? And y'all, that would make me so mad. I hated that. I hated that because I don't believe you're just a preacher because your dad's a preacher. And uh, I, I would I would tell him, I'd say, no, absolutely not. And then the Lord has a funny sense of humor. He ended up calling me to preach. But I would tell people back, no, absolutely not. And I was raised in a beautiful home. I was raised around the truth. I was raised around holiness and called myself an apostolic and I believed in this faith and the outside there are people in this room that have known me since I was a little kid David knows what I'm talking about they've known me since I was like nine years old and the outside is this okay tonight I just want to share my heart with you on this first night I hope this is okay I feel a little bit at home tonight the outside it said faith faith I believe, but on the inside, when you peeled back the layers in my heart, it didn't say faith, it said fear. I had fear in my heart, and that fear was that I was afraid. I was afraid to share my faith. I would go to all sorts of places, and I'd meet people that had never heard about Jesus. And I don't know how to explain it, maybe it's just me tonight, but maybe... You're a little more like me than you'd like to admit. I'd go to tell somebody about my faith. and My voice would just lock up. I would just go quiet. I grew up around this faith. But inside, all I felt was fear. I got older and this, even though I got older, I had, I had the Holy Ghost. I'd been baptized in Jesus' name since I was seven years old. But I had this fear. In my heart. Has anybody ever felt that spirit of fear? Maybe you could wave your hand as a testimony, help somebody out. How many knows that's a real thing? Am I right? It's a real thing. I felt this fear and I got older. And when I was 17 years old, I felt like the, the Lord had been preparing me and he'd called me to preach. And God started slowly doing a work and I began to, to preach. And, and I saw God do miraculous things at a very young age. Uh, and I told the Lord when I was 17, when I preached for the very first time, I said, Lord, uh, if, if I feel your anointing, if you will help me, I will preach for you the rest of my life. But if I don't feel your help, I will never preach again. That's what I told the Lord. And I preached that first message. It was probably the worst message you've ever heard in your life. It was terrible. My voice would shake. I talked so high. It was ridiculous. But you know what? I felt the anointing of the Lord rest upon me. And I've never forgotten that feeling. And so every time I sing and every time I worship and every time I dance, I am reaching for that anointing. That can only come 
from heaven. And I feel that anointing in this room here tonight. I want you to know that anointing is not just a one-time feeling. It's God's will that you would live to strive after that anointing. That every day you get up and say, God created me a clean heart. Oh God, hide your word in my heart, God, that I might not sin against you. What are you doing? You're reaching for an anointing. You want to feel the presence of God. And I've, I've seen people filled with the Holy Ghost. I've seen miracles happen with my own eyes. And I was 19 years old and somebody called me to preach a revival in South Carolina. I had zero idea what I was doing. Absolutely no. I, I still don't know what I'm doing, but like, I really didn't know back then. Like it was really bad. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just knew God... I guess you've called me. Anybody ever felt unqualified for what God called you to do? Is it just, I mean, it's a real thing. I felt so unqualified. And I got there to preach. They, they asked for a three-night revival. And when I was 19 years old, something unlocked in me that the enemy has never been able to shut. He's never been able to close it again. It was the day that everything changed for me because I realized when I was 19 years old, I went in, I pulled up to the hotel and I, I was going to get ready for that revival service at 19 years old. And I walked in and there was a lady there at the front counter who worked at the hotel. And I walked in and she said, sir, are you a preacher? And I was like 19. I was like, yeah, I guess so. You know, I don't know. I wasn't dressed in a suit or anything. I looked just like I do now, just just more ridiculous. I had a little more hair. You know, it's crazy. And uh, I just, I didn't look like a preacher. But she said, sir, are you a preacher? And I said, yes, I am. And tears started falling down her face. And she said, sir, you don't understand. I've been praying that God would save me and I don't know how to be saved. And I prayed last night. I said, God, would you send me a preacher that would tell me how to be saved? And it was in that moment that I realized I was 19 years old, had preached the gospel from pulpits, but had never shared it with anybody one on one. I had never told anybody the gospel unless it was in a church setting. And she said, sir, would you tell me how to be saved? And that spirit of fear hit me like a lightning bolt. I went to speak and my voice just locked up and I prayed, I said, Lord, would you help me? And she said, she said, would you help me? Would you show me how to be saved? And so I grabbed my Bible and for the first time in my life outside of a church building, I opened up my Bible and I took her to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. I told her, I said, the Bible says to be saved. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we went to Acts chapter 2. And I said, you know what? The Bible says that when you get the Holy Ghost, there's going to be evidence. And you're going to speak in tongues just like on the day of Pentecost. And I began to, to, to tell her the gospel. And I'll never forget it. She looked at me. I said, I said, if you repent of your sins, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And I said, 
you should come to the revival this weekend. And if you'll come to the revival, Jesus will fill you with the Holy Ghost. And she spoke to me and she said, no, I have to work this weekend. Can't I just get it now? I want it now. And I said, are you sure you don't want to come to church this week? You know, because I think something powerful there. And she said, no, I, I need it now and I'll never forget it. If I'd ever felt the Lord slap me in the back of my head. He slapped me that day. You know, it doesn't feel good when Jesus does that. Slapped me in the back of my head. And he said, Nathan, she has more faith than you do. And something unlocked in my heart. I began to weep in front of her. And I told God right in that moment, I said, God, I'm so sorry. I'll never pretend to be something on the outside that I'm not on the inside again. I'll never do it again. And God unlocked something in my heart that day that has changed my life forever. I told her, I said, ma'am, would you forgive me for not having enough faith? God wants to fill you right now. And so she said, well, you know, you know, these stories sound great, but they're like they're kind of messy in person. You know, like it, it it's kind of messy when you get in the middle of revival. And I said, I said, do you want the Holy Ghost? She said, yeah, I already told you I want. I told you like three times and I'm just buying time. I'm like, well, it's going to happen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized I'm 19. I've preached revivals and I've never prayed anybody through to the Holy Ghost. I've been around it my whole life and I've never prayed anybody through to the Holy Ghost. And I said, ma'am, do you want it now? She said, I want it. She said, but here's the thing. I'm working and I'm on the clock and my manager's back here. And I think she'd be kind of mad if I was praying for the Holy Ghost. So could we step outside? And so we stepped out to the little awning where the cars drive up, you know. And I said, okay, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost out here. And so we stepped outside and I said, we're going to pray. And when we pray, we're going to lift, we're going to repent of our sins. And we're going to lift up our hands. And when we lift up our hands, we're just going to start worshiping the Lord. And when we worship the Lord, God is going to begin to speak through you. You're going to speak a heavenly language. And so she stepped out. She repented of her sins. And as she starts repenting of her sins, a family of like 19 people pull up this huge van they all start getting out of the van and they're pulling out their suitcases and these little kids are stepping out and she starts repenting her sins and naming all her sins i was like lord not the children she's just naming everything and the kids are getting out and and i i'm just convinced oh the devil is a liar now she's not gonna get the holy ghost because of these children but listen she wasn't worried about it at all i was more distracted than she was because she had more faith than I did. But in the midst of all those kids and all those people and everything that happened, I said, my friend, if you'll lift up your hands right now, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And tears began to fall down her face. She lifted her hands right there under the
under the awning and begin to speak in tongues as the Holy Ghost filled her with his presence. It was an outward sign. There was a reverence right there in that moment. And she ended up coming to the revival and we baptized her in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, it's not the will of God that we just act like something, but something's got to unlock. Somebody lift up your hands and call on the name of Jesus right now. I want every voice in this room. I don't care if you're nervous or uncomfortable. That is not going to keep you from what God wants you to have tonight. But we've got to let God unlock something. I'm 32 years old. Something changed inside of me. But just being around this doesn't make it who you are. Oh, lift your hands for just a moment. Lift up your voice. I need somebody to pray out loud. I need somebody to pray out loud until that fear, that spirit of fear is in this room. It's trying to sneak into the hearts because you've tried to pray for people and you haven't seen it. But God is calling on somebody tonight that says, I don't want to just be around it. I want to be in the middle of what you're doing. Ah! Come on, do that for just another moment. There's something that's unlocking. God, God has got this key and He's unlocking something inside of you. But you got to get over what you haven't done. And you need to say, God, from this moment, from this moment, something is changing in me. Something's changed in me. Can be seated for a moment. I'm moving quickly. I'm almost done. Double-minded, hypocritical people made themselves no stranger to Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, his greatest obstacle was not Rome. It was religious people who didn't know who he was. Religious people who dressed in priestly robes they're orange on the outside. Come on, it's in the Bible. But he said that they were bitter. They were toxic. They put on a priestly robe. They, they had the out layered. They had it figured out. But Jesus, he speaks to them in Matthew 23 and 25. And he looks at these people who Everybody thinks they've got it all together. They look just right. But Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, you are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish that the inside of them may be clean also. I have young people come up to me. I've been a youth pastor for 10 years. And they'll say, Brother Nathan, I haven't felt the presence of God in so long. And you know what I try to tell them? The Holy Ghost will prompt me and I'll say, check the inside of the cup. What's the inside look like? Oh, Brother Nathan, I can't feel anything at church right now. I feel so cold. Check the inside. The cup. Cleaning the outside of the cup won't fix it. What's happening on the inside? 
not just some layer of who you are, orange on the outside, but the inside is just rotten. He says in verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which are indeed, you appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear, you appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I don't know about you. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a hypocrite. We, we run from that word because we think it's so rude because it is. It's, it's not nice. It's not nice to call somebody that. But Jesus called them. He said, that is, that is hypocritical for you to wear an outward robe that you don't believe on the inside. That's the words of Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Anybody got some joy in the house tonight? It's peace. It's long-suffering. It's kindness. Oh, God, we need a revival of kindness. We're not apostolic if we're not kind. Oh, hear me tonight. I feel a weight on my shoulders tonight. He said it's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness. It is self-control. He says, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with, with its passions and desires. But if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It doesn't matter how much you dance at church if all you have is envy. It doesn't matter. Listen, I, be I believe in all that. I hope you guys know that. I believe in all of it. I'm going to dance with y'all on Sunday. I'm going to shout with you on Sunday. But none of that matters if on the inside of Nathan French is anger and malice and envy and unrighteousness. I don't want to be like that. Would you lift your hands? I'm almost done, but I feel God is not just doing an outward work tonight. No, no, my friends. There's something deeper that's at play tonight. God brought you here tonight because He wants to do something inside. The fruit of the Spirit benefits you, but it is not for you. The fruit of the Spirit is to bless those around you. And so when we don't live it, people around us starve. When we pretend to be something that we're not, we're not the only ones that suffer. The people around us suffer. You're not the only one that's affected by your anger. It affects others. You're not the only one affected by envy. You're not the only one that's affected by that secret sin. It is affecting somebody else. Because God designed this thing for the people of God to say, I see it, but I don't just want to see it. I want this to be a part of me. And God uses us for the world to partake at His table. He uses the fruit of our labor to bring people to the table. It's his table. It's his kingdom.
But the fruit of the Spirit, he says, this is what I'm going to use. But when they peel all this back, do they see love on the outside, but on the inside? All they taste is hate. And there's joy on the outside, but inside all there is is, is, is depression and anxiety. Is there, is there, is there long-suffering? Or when they look at who you really are, is all they see in patience. Kindness. The outside, it says kindness. But the inside is anger. Goodness. We shout of goodness. But if all there is is envy. Faithfulness, but all we have is unreliability. Gentleness, but all we have is forcefulness. Self-control or out of control. Peel back the layers tonight. Jesus, search my heart tonight. What color is an orange? I hope it's the same on the inside as it is the outside. Every time you see an orange, I want you to think about what we've talked about here tonight. That God has called me to be the same on the inside as I am the outside. I want to close with this. If the piano wants to come, if anybody wants to come, you can. If not, it's okay. Jesus is going to break something in this room tonight. There is going to be a spirit of fear. Let's do this. Let's have just, just piano. We don't need the whole band tonight. God wants to do something in this place. The spirit he's going to break is the same spirit of fear that I felt when I was 19 years old. I know how you feel because I've lived it. I've seen it. I wish I wasn't familiar with what I was talking about. I wish I could tell you I always had faith. I wish I could tell you I always did the right thing, but I didn't. I wish I could tell you I didn't know what this feels like, but I'm telling you, I know where you're sitting tonight. I've been there. And God wants to break that off of you. That spirit is going to break here tonight. And when it breaks, there's going to be a liberty that comes in this house. The spirit of God's going to move. I believe every person in this room is going to be speaking in a heavenly language. Does anybody believe that tonight? You know, the Bible says they were all filled. See, our fear makes us think that doesn't happen anymore. But it can happen. God wants to do it here tonight. I was talking to somebody just this weekend. Just this weekend. And every time he came to church, somebody I love very much. And I'd lead worship. I, I, I get to lead worship a lot at my church. And I'd look out. And there's all these people getting victory. And I'd look out. And he just looks so angry. And he tries to lift his hands, but he can't. Every time he lifts his hands, he just feels like he can't lift them. Has anybody ever felt that? It's like a heaviness. that That's not you being crazy. That's the spirit of fear coming against you. Because when you break through it, it has to leave. And so it does everything it can to stop you from worshiping here tonight. And I looked out, he looked so angry, his eyes would be filled with anger. 
And just a couple Sundays ago, I looked out and we called on the name of Jesus. Does anybody believe there's power in the name of Jesus? Come on, does anybody believe there's power in the name of Jesus? And we called, we shouted the name of Jesus. And when we shouted that name, tears fell down his face. He began to speak in tongues. He began to dance before the Lord. He began to give God praise. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, man, something powerful happened with you today. He said, Nathan, I have had somebody in my life that I have been so angry at for the last five years. They did me wrong and I've been so angry at them that every time I tried to worship, I felt like I couldn't worship because you can't hold anger and the anointing at the same time. You can't hold envy and peace and joy at the same time. You, you either got one or the other. But the breakthrough comes when you lay it down and he see cried. He said, Nathan, I felt joy again. I felt peace again. I, I have completely forgiven that person no matter what they do, whether they make it right or not. I'm not going to hold on to that anymore. And something began to unlock. He started seeing blessing. He texts me and say, God just did another blessing today. I, I just started speaking in tongues while I was listening to music in my car today. Because when that unlocked, everything changes I'm not talking about a kind of move of God where you just go back and you do the same thing and you go back and, and you just be quiet and cower in a corner I'm talking about something tonight that's going to change who you are would you stand all over this room Whew, I feel Jesus in this room would somebody just pray for a moment somebody just pray for a moment you need to pray you need to pray with your mouth not with your mind he hears the prayers in your mind. He hears them and he honors them. But right now in this moment, if you've got a voice, I need you to pray out loud because you, you, every time you try to be what God wants you to be, it sounds so great at church, but then you go home. And then when you get at home, it, it's not like they said it be. And, and you deal with things you didn't think you'd have to deal with. But I'm telling you tonight. That Oh, there is something happening in this room right now. Do you hear me? I need somebody to press right now. Because that spirit, there is a spirit from hell that is so afraid right now. Come on, if you want it, you need to go after it tonight. I wish I could do it for you, but nobody else could do it for me. I, I had to break it myself. You got to say, God, I, I need to live this. I, I don't want to be double-minded. I don't want to be a whitewashed tomb, but on the inside, I'm just, I'm just filled with dead men's bones and hurts and hates and lust. And I have no control. If anybody wants to go deeper tonight, this isn't a big confession of sin. This isn't a big public confession of sin. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But if you want to go deeper tonight, I want you to come up here next to me in this altar. If you want to go deeper tonight, I want to open this altar. We'll make room for you tonight. It may not be everybody, but God's wanting to call some people a little bit deeper tonight. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith over you tonight. That's it. They're coming. It takes a little bit of bravery to step out around your peers and your friends. I honor your courage tonight. 
I honor your courage tonight because God's taken us deeper in this place tonight. Ah. 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 Ah.